In this episode of Real World Serverless, I finish my conversation with Joe Emerson, where we talk about his recruitment strategy and why he only hires junior front-end developers for his fully serverless startups and the challenges that he sees with serverless adoption today. And it's um, also want to touch on something that you just mentioned there, that uh, uh, unless you've got all these superstars, developers, uh, code is probably not going to be perfect the first time uh, they just finished writing it. One of your really interesting philosophies around recruitment, which I think is very different from pretty much everyone I've spoken with, is that you primarily hire junior front-end developers. So what is your rationale behind this approach and how well has it worked for you so far? Um well, so the, the rationale is several reasons. Um, you know, I think the, the primary philosophical reason for this is that, uh, so I've been working with uh, software developers for about 25 years now. And uh, certainly over the last 15, I have noticed that when you hire senior developers, um, or any developer you hire with as an experienced developer uh, in the tools that you're using, you're getting experience. But the other thing you're getting is, generally speaking, uh, a belief that important decisions about architecture and uh, well, important decisions about application architecture and important decisions that will really affect the future of that application need to be in the domain of those senior hires. But if you combine that with two realities today, one of which is that we have no good continuing education practice in software development. There is simply nothing out there that will make it simple and easy for anyone to understand what the best way to do things is today versus you know, five years ago or even 18 months ago. And if you combine it with, um, and this is certainly true in America and certainly true in larger cities, um, but a, a real arrogance in software developers. Um, it's not all software developers, but it is, uh, there is a real programmer culture uh, in, in software development that has, yeah, that, that has, I mean, I think it's epitomized by the sort of stereotypical response on hacker news, um, which is, uh, is just brimming with, uh, self-confidence, arrogance, and, uh, generally derision for whatever thing they're attacking. There aren't a lot of supportive, uh, wow, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that before. That goes against everything that I've done to date, but maybe I should look at it. Like that's never a response you see. <laughs> that's just not any, but that, that's how you learn, right? That's, that's what absolutely you know, education would do. <laughs> right? That's one of the best thing um, I find about being a programmer is just constantly someone telling you something that you haven't thought about your sort of world shattering views uh, coming in, which I think that's where you kind of learn the most about uh, in terms of uh, what you don't know. Uh, but like you said, you almost never get those kind of responses uh, whenever, whenever you try to challenge someone's uh, pre-existing views of, of how things work. Right, right. And so there is this just challenge in recruitment then, especially in serverless, I think, which is that um, 
so I mean, I'll give some examples. So I, I built these uh, two Firebase applications. And I mean, I designed and then uh, great software developers build these two Firebase applications that were serverless. Uh, and uh, we were uh, essentially bought by a company and they were brought in-house at that company with their much larger development teams. And uh, instead of, uh, there, there was, and there was great traction and people were really happy about them. And instead of continuing and putting resources behind feature development, um, the immediate decision of the technology leadership, um, uh, and I mean, I, I was actually the CIO within the organization for a while, but the immediate decision amongst the kind of VPs of engineering and and, and all of the teams who were responsible for all of the infrastructure within the organization was that the most important development work that could be done on these was ripping out Firebase and replacing it with SQL Server. Um, and that's that's insane nonsense. That is obviously not the right decision. You have a, I mean, there, there weren't <laughs> problems with the application. I mean, the application was working fine, but this was, uh, I don't know if it was an existential threat to the SQL Server DBAs. I mean, I suspect it was. Um, uh, it certainly felt that way. <laughs> the challenge then is how much time and in that organization, there was a lot that needed to be worked on. And so, uh, it was not, it would not have been a good first choice decision of mine to spend all my time fighting for no, don't, you know, don't pursue this as the next feature, as the next sort of major development work. Cause I had lots of other things I needed to deal with, but in starting branch, a real question I had was. You know, so we've set up and built this this great serverless infrastructure and architecture. It has really great velocity, um, and we've you know we've had these front end developers come in, and they basically are full stack developers in serverless because it's some Node.js functions, it's understanding some CloudFormation YAML. It, we use Stackery to manage a bunch of that stuff, so it's kind of like understand how to use a Stackery CLI tool, which is really simple. There's just a lot of these very easy things to do that that you can take. Uh, you know, front end developer can easily learn everything else that's needed, uh, especially if you're using Node.js for your functions. And so, you know, I was facing this situation of, well, if I hire a senior developer and then I have to go off or, or a senior VP of engineering and I need to go off and, you know, raise more money or deal with other aspects of the business, what's going to happen? <clears throat> you know, is it going to be, are we going to be running on containers? Like when I turn around, you know, how, <laughs> how do I, how do we keep the, these business benefits that we have of serverless? And then combining that with, um, so we're in Columbus, Ohio, and a lot of the market for senior developers in Columbus, Ohio is very much uh, .NET senior developers and Ruby on Rails senior developers. And so there aren't necessarily um, an enormous number of uh, Node.js senior developers. I mean, it's a, it's relatively new and is, has been relatively derided by a lot of these same programmers as a as a bad backend language, um, which I think is uh, you know thoroughly untrue. Um, and so all of that made it quite easy to say, um, well, let's go get some front end developers who pass a skills test of showing that they kind of think organizationally the right way they can do you know take a design uh, in zeppelin and and render it properly in css and and have a, a sort of a good mental model of how react components would work and where you would put certain styles and and component code how you would organize that and uh and then let's invest in them uh, and that, that's really what we've what we've done uh, and it's worked out really really well 
uh, you know, eventually uh, you need managers and, and uh, you know, VP engineering and uh, senior developers. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, certainly from an HR perspective and from a coaching perspective and all of the great things that, um, you know, senior developers and managers can do. Uh, and I, and so it's still an open question for us as to, is that something that will come out of the, uh, you know, the developers we've hired, will we hire more senior developers and, and, and sort of struggle with this particular task and, you know, probably spend a really long time, uh, recruiting, uh, managers and, and, and a VP engineering when we need one. But, you know, for now it's working quite well. We, we have roughly 10 full-time developers now working. And um, I will say that a lot of the stack choices and the service choices have really changed even the requirements that we have on how many developers for product manager, how many developers per kind of scrum master or person who's trying to, or, or business analyst who's trying to, uh, you know, unblock developers. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, the whole thing's a lot smoother than it normally is um, in a non-serverless environment in my experience. That's great to hear. And I love the pragmatism that you, you apply to all the technical as well as business decisions that uh, at your company. So in your view, what do you think are the main challenges that we've, uh, when it comes to building a serverless architecture um, or application? And what are some of the technical platform limitations and things that are making your life difficult? So I think that uh, debugging uh, and and local development. So we know how to do local development and we know how to debug, but they're still less simple and accessible for most developers than a more traditional non-serverless uh, development environment. Um, one of the things that uh, can be great, uh, just to give an example, if you're writing, uh, if you're at Amazon Web Services and you're writing lambdas, being able to write a lambda in the console, save it, and test it there, is an amazingly fast and great development experience. But as soon as that, uh, and this happens to us for basically all of our functions, is as soon as they get too big to be able to do them in the console. And again, there are a variety of things you can do. You can take CloudWatch events and sort of inject them through Node and run those. And so we do those. We, we write these sort of sample event files and we can run locally against them. But it's not 100% the same environment. Uh, we, we get very, um, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty spoiled and serverless, I think, and, and in our, at branch in our development environments where things are just the same. So again, we just don't have these different, these separations where people say, well, you know, they worked in my environment and not yours. But this is one of those situations where sometimes those local Lambda invocations just end up being different from remote ones. And so one example of those is sometimes um, the local Lambda invocations will run, and maybe this is a, this is largely maybe a node problem, but sometimes those local invocations will run to completion. Um, and sometimes uh, they will kind of terminate early <laughs> when they're running in Lambda or run by AWS Lambda. And so that's something that's really hard to identify and really hard to debug locally. It's not that common, but you do get enough difference in those environments uh, where that is, that is a challenge and figuring out why something isn't working is a challenge. And so sometimes you end up doing the development and then running the deploy within your local environment, which can take, you know, 
Uh, in most of these cases, we're talking four or five minutes, but it's still, it's still, you know, your dev test cycles are not great. This is the worst with uh, CloudFront, right? It, you know, when we were building and, and setting up the server-side rendering and Keep in mind, we have multiple React apps. So we have a ser- we have server-side render ones. We have other ones. There's a lot of uh, path prefixes in CloudFront and, uh, and, and different routing uh, Lambda at Edge functions and testing those. And the dev test cycle on that was, was awful. Um, so those are, those are not tiny problems, but they're, I think that's an easy trade-off on those. Um, you know, and we still don't love the latency that you can get on cold starts, although the again Lambda with its provision capacity is um, is is a great, at least somewhat solution for that. There are those, and then you know I think this is true about every piece of software, but getting better at uh, observability, getting better at how we um, aggregate all of our uh, events, and being able to uh, dive into specific historical records like what honeycomb i think is is focused on doing that's something that uh, at least in my experience has been a, a slightly more challenging on the serverless side but again not insurmountable and i think is the and i don't think you know i don't think most organizations do that well at all anyhow today but and so maybe it's easier to uh, when you've got a good solution to implement it in serverless, but it, it, that also can be a challenge. Just trying to look back at what exactly happened um, based upon CloudWatch in particular. CloudWatch uh, Insights is kind of annoying and difficult to use, but overall, those the you know I'll take those downsides to to get all the nice benefits. So, given some of this uh, tooling, I guess, or lack of. Uh, tooling support for local development, for observability. Um, do you think those are the areas that you know, a cloud provider like AWS should be focusing on improving? Or are there some other areas that you think should deserve some more attention as well? Well, I think in general, so if I, if I were going to take cloud providers in general, I would say that Microsoft really doesn't have um, a product like Google and Amazon have. And one day Microsoft is going to need to wake up and realize that what uh, the Amplify and AppSync ecosystem at Amazon and what Firebase at Google provide is something entirely unique that they don't have. And so, uh, you know, Microsoft and Azure, um, I- I've often said they need to buy NetLafly, um, which would, which is kind of the last independent, although maybe Hasura. Um, which is a uh, GraphQL service that can sit in front of relational databases that can give some of those benefits as well. Um, but Microsoft needs to needs to do something in this space. Uh, you know, anyone who's I think doing serverless on Microsoft uh, on Microsoft Azure that isn't just simple backend functions, um, but is trying to build full platforms and ecosystems that are serverless. You know, just just know you're missing like these key tools that exist on other clouds. Um, <clears throat> that really change that make your applications a lot less complex. If I were going to, you know, and then I think specifically within Google and Amazon, my uh, the things I like cloud providers to work on end up being like very highly specific things. Um, so neither of them has a good way to uh, serverlessly index data to something like a serverless Elasticsearch. And so there's a service called Algolia, which is phenomenal, which does this, but it's an independent company. Um, and so, you know, both Google and, and Amazon will just have, you know, you basically have to run your own Elasticsearch VMs. You managed Elasticsearch at, at Amazon isn't that 
much better than just running your own Elasticsearch. Uh, it's not serverless. And so uh, the, those, one other thing is that, um, you know, the authentication frameworks that live and it is, if you want to, one of the biggest benefits you can get out of serverless is by not rolling your own authentication. And so Amazon's Cognito and, and Firebase's Firebase Auth are great services, but they both lag behind the independent in the space, Auth0, by such an inordinate gap. Um, and especially Cognito is has lots of pain points uh, and, and hasn't had a great development velocity, at least from the outside. Uh, and so the main things I'd like those cloud providers to do is just to continue to build up these critical infrastructure services and get get them in the ballpark of of the features of what you can get from independent services out there. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I think Amazon's doing a great job with all of the work they're doing with Amplify to make things easier for front end developers to just go and build these entire applications and backends, but from a front end development uh, toolkit and mindset. Um, I think that that is great work. And I, I definitely think Amazon should continue working on that Amplify path. Cause I think that is that, that that's, you know, that's the future is going to be in, in my belief, the future is going to be front end developers are going to obviously do more and more and more of the full stack in conjunction with the cloud provider. And so the more that the cloud providers are helping front end developers get there faster, I think the better. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Cognito. Uh, is I get so many questions from customers about Cognito because it's so complex. And like I said, there's so many different missing features and pain points that customers find it very difficult to navigate themselves. Uh, but at the same time, I also find that Off Zero's pricing model is ridiculously expensive, oh, especially insane. when you've yeah, yeah, especially when you've got um, this whole MAU based pricing model is just it's just the death penalty for a lot of companies that have no recurring users. I've got a few customers who are serving the insurance world where um, the you know, customers will come to the website, they'll ask for a quote and never come back, but they pay for every single one of them as a recurring monthly right. user. So when you look at the pricing for something like of zero, it just becomes astronomical. <laughs> no, I completely agree that Auth Zero's pricing uh, puts a lot of a lot of potential customers totally out. And and I do think that you get so many benefits for Cognito being integrated into the Amazon ecosystem, especially within AppSync. I mean, it's phenomenal to be able to write these functions and not have to deal with any sort of authentication or verification of user, but just be passed information about this is the user, they've authenticated, here are the groups they're in, and you do no work. I mean, it, 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 it's it's fantastic. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you like the number one, if you asked our support, our customer support team, what the number one pain point that our customers have with all of our insurance products, all of our systems, uh, they would all unanimously say, <laughs> um, logging in, um, you know, <laughs> uh, Cognito, Cognito's like password reset and email verification, uh, setups is very, uh, rigid, uh, uh, in terms of how it handles things. And there are a lot of people who um, are somewhat afraid of their computers um, and who aren't that good at figuring out, you know, where is that email, how Cognito sends its verification codes and when it sends them have caused a, a very small but uh, non-zero portion of our user base 
to require, you know, a lot of time, a lot of our time. We and we have built all these custom ways to uh, reset passwords by making you know, eight different cognito calls and sending out custom emails based on them. So it's uh, it, it's a challenge with incognito. Um, and so I, I, I would love for Amazon to fix those problems and get it closer to how great Auth0 is. But I agree that we could not afford Auth0. And in terms of this, uh, you, I really love the point you made about uh, Microsoft not having that sort of front-end developer-centric tooling like you have with Firebase and with Amplify. Do you think a lot of that is because Microsoft uh, has traditionally been very strong in the sort of enterprise world and a lot of enterprise customers just haven't been asking for something like that? And that's why they're sort of lagging behind in that particular space. Yes, I think that's exactly it. I think Microsoft has a... Uh, model of doing at least iterative development. And that model is that they go to the CIOs and VPs of engineering and senior developers who don't have a good way to do continuing education. And they ask, you know, they ask them and, and they're very good at responding to them. But in a world where uh, those people are going to ask you for faster horses instead of the car, um, you're just not going to get, you know, significant benefits there. And so what that means is that if you're Microsoft, you have to buy those innovations. And I think that's fine. I, I mean, I'm fully on board with Microsoft buying Netlify, taking their leadership and letting them run the strategy. I, I don't think that that's a bad way to go, but I do think it means that Microsoft runs the risk of missing out on really important changes in how we do software development. And they are right now uh, with serverless. Um, but again, I, I, you know, if I, if I were to bet on Google improving its development velocity and its customer centricness with Firebase or Microsoft figuring out the right acquisition, um, I'd bet on Microsoft just because I've watched Google. Uh, I feel like, you know, not properly treat Firebase post its acquisition of Firebase. And I, I really think Google had, Google had basically a five-year head start and is now well behind Amazon in my view. And so that's why we, you know, I started building on Google, but switched. Yeah, I've, I think I'll agree with you as well in terms of uh, betting on who the main challenger to, uh, to AWS is going to be uh, being Microsoft. At least uh, these guys understand enterprises and how to do business and support for enterprises. We all the stories you hear about Google just you know, dumping customers, uh, you know, just not dealing with those kind of support the uh, the customers needs. And also, when you read about uh, that announcement recently, that oh, unless they become a top, the, the leader in the cloud, they're just gonna pull out. I mean, how can any company have confidence in the in the in partner like that? That if they're not number one in three years' time, they're just gonna pull out the market altogether. Right. When it. And it plays into the, you know, the, the entire reputation of Google of, that they just kill stuff off at will and you can't rely on them at all. And, and Amazon, you know, still has its simple DB that's, you know, running for those customers. No, I, I, I completely agree with that. You know, I also think that I think Google recognizes its problems in serving enterprise customers. Um, and I think that they're, I mean, they're, well, they're trying to hire a lot of salespeople so that they can at least feel enterprisey on the sales side. I, I think the, you know, the thing that I worry about as well, though, is that if you don't have a way of building product 
than uh, and, and of innovating on product, uh, then you're in a lot of trouble. And Google has this huge problem that, you know, they're, at least as I see them, have a lot of arrogance that they know what's best. A lot of arrogance that if you're not using the services the right way or in the way that they think you should, that you're the one who's the problem. Um, and that's just in high contrast with how both Amazon and Microsoft view customers. Um, and so I, 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 I think all, I think culturally Google culturally and from a leadership perspective, I just don't see how Google gets on a track where they at all are, are leading, um, on the product side. Uh, and so I, I think that, you know, yes, I, I don't think they'll make their numbers. I think that, you know, we'll see more stuff killed by Google based upon, you know, how they seem to think about things. Yeah, that the cultural difference is that is startling. I interact with a lot of AWS people. They almost got this, uh, I don't know, um, this this sense you get where they tell you to beat them some more, tell them what they're doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Joe, thank you so much for uh, for your, for taking the time to talk to me today. It's been an amazing conversation. Uh, is there anything else that you want to sort of tell the listeners? Maybe branches hiring, and how can the listeners find you on the internet? Yeah, well, if you uh, if you're uh, in the U.S. and uh, let's see, if you live in Arizona, Illinois, Missouri, Ohio, or Texas, uh, you should uh, you should definitely uh, try branch quote branch for your home and or auto and or renters and or umbrella insurance at ourbranch.com. Um, and uh, you know, uh, if you are uh, a senior developer, VP uh, engineering, and and uh, branch sounds interesting to you, and Columbus, Ohio sounds as wonderful to you as it does to me. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm always happy to get emails at Joe at ourbranch.com. We're not presently hiring that position, but we will be, and uh, you know, love to start conversations with people as well, and just happy to talk with people about serverless uh, at all. So, but yeah, but thank you for very much for having me. This was great. So that's it for another episode of Real World Serverless. Thank you guys again for joining us for this wonderful conversation with Joe Emerson. To find the show notes and the transcript for this episode, please go to realworldserverless.com. I'll see you guys next time.